Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. I want to just give you a moment to center yourself, to practice a bit of silence and solitude, to focus on what the Spirit might be doing in us and through us. So, at this moment, let's exhale. all those automatic ruminating ruminating thoughts in our subconscious mind, all the nagging anxiety. Let's just bring it to the feet of the Lord and the house of the Lord. And inhale the presence of God, the transcending peace, the work. He is faithful because he started it to finish in us. All God's people pray. Amen. Welcome all those who've joined us online, those watching online in different parts of the country and the world. Welcome. Let's just put this picture up. How many people here have experienced a neighbor from hell before? Raise your hand if you experienced a neighbor from hell. Or you just, I don't know, (laughs) you're just lucky. And you're an outlier. And your name, you're the, cra- you're the crazy neighbor from hell. <laughs> but uh, 25, uh, my parents, uh, after my wife and I married, I think in two, two years after we got married, they gave us our inheritance early to buy a house. And so at 25, we bought our house, and we, did, we knew nothing about home ownership and mainten- maintenance. Don't buy a home. Don't buy a home. Um, and, you know, we didn't know what it meant to be a good neighbor or you know what it meant to mingle with people in the suburbs that are 20, 50, 20, 30 years older than you. So we bought the third house we saw, which was by providence, God's grace, it was ended up being a good one, good on equity in return. But um, anyways, um, you know, we were, we were in the backyard one day and our neighbor uh, came to us and was redoing the tiles in the back of his backyard, and he just said, you know, Sam, uh, we're, we're doing this new work, and it just might, you know, cross a bit of your, of a boundary in your backyard, just, a, you know, a little bit. Would that be okay? And I said, sure. Now, it wasn't until later I thought about it, and I started to, be, to feel a bit resentful. Why? Was he already doing the work? And why wasn't this work done previously? Why the newbie, the younger target? And I realized that the last owner lived there for 25 years, but none of this work has been done before. But this new work begins when there's a new homeowner. Well, one of the things I learned is that it didn't just come across our backyard. We're talking about like, you know, a few feet 
all right? And that square footage in New York City is very precious. <laughs> and you know how much each square feet could be? It encroached upon my property, crossing a boundary. And ever since then, it became passive aggressive the last 20 years. Because sometimes even with strangers or your neighbor, last week we talked about the, the malaise of misfortune. When there is moral injury in someone's life, personal responsibility becomes a bit hazy. You don't want to add insult to injury and confront people about the mistakes or the harm they've caused you. But in contrast, there's also something called the malaise of generosity. How much, how generous should I be with my neighbor? How generous should I be with my friend in a bind? They said it's the last time. They don't have money again. Or how generous should I be with my immediate family or distant relatives. You know what they say when you win the lottery, distant relatives come out of the bush <laughs> everywhere in your house. So there's also the malaise of generosity. It becomes hazy when you're talking about magnanimity, when you're talking about altruism, you're talking about there's no law in these things. You can literally give, you know, the back of your shirt. But then if they're is no limits in place or boundaries set, it leads to codependency. And for people, especially in our community that are upward mobile, you guys are, look at people around, you guys are very capable people. Congratulations, sometimes. You're gonna be, you're, you're upward mobile, you're, you're gonna do well in the marketplace, your 401ks and your investments will prosper, I pray. Don't lose all your money in crypto, please. Or maybe you become a crypto billionaire, who knows? But you're very upward mobile, and because you'll be people of means, how generous will become? And, and for people of means, the greatest betrayal and wounds usually take place when they're taken advantage of. And they, don't, they themselves don't know the limits and the boundaries. And that's why it's critical in our series in the fruit of the Spirit, because love was the first fruit of the Spirit, to know the difference between codependency and love. Or what would end up happening is, if you're codependent, it means that you're taking an over sense of responsibility for someone else's life and it becomes destructive to that relationship, and you begin to enable others while you begin to injure and harm your own life and the relationships within your own life and your own family, especially your spouse and your kids, could become destructive. So let's look at this text, basic framework, the most sterile kind of narrative, which is fictional. Jesus created this narrative, the Good Samaritan. Everybody knows the Good Samaritan, whether they come from a Christian background or not. But I think the Good Samaritan gives you a very clear guideline 
what love is, even to a stranger, actually, it was actually an enemy. Samaritans and Jews are enemies, a lot like Palestine would be with Jews in the Middle East, spilling over from, you know, Abraham and Ishmael and Isaac. So it gives you a very clear guideline. How much should I love or how generous should I be? Is there no limit? Are there no boundaries? No, clearly there are. Because what people look at the parable of the Good Samaritan as an example of a hyperbolic version of love, when actually when you read it carefully, there are so many guardrails in place. And actually measured. Because people look at the Good Samaritan, wow, so generous. But the, generous, the generosity of the Good Samaritan was actually had boundaries and actually had limits, if you look at it carefully. So let's look at the text and learn the critical difference between codependency and love. So let's look at our passage. So we come to the text, and it says very carefully when you read it that the Good Samaritan... As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And again, the Greek sometimes, the NIV, translate these things terribly. Pity is not the correct word. It would be compassion, which is very different than pity, like we talked about in our series on empathy. Took uh, sympathy on him and was a violent type of, you know, type of reaction for a Samaritan to help his enemy. But he knew that was his moral obligation. That's what love is, right? A moral obligation to a certain degree. And even though he doesn't like this ethnicity, he knew that this person was basically half dead on the road. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. We actually had someone... (laughs) Last, last week, right out in, uh, near Union Square, someone literally half drunk with a beer in his hands, crossing the street, bleeding from falling on the pavement that we had to help. And I think it was prophetic. But, and, and he went to him, and uh, then he put the man on his own doc, donkey and brought him to where? An inn, not the Ritz-Carlton. Not a five-star luxury hotel, a Motel 6, okay? An inn, not Caesar Palace, an inn, and took care of him. Now, first notice that it was difficult, and that's why Jesus is creating this moral imagination in this parable, to teach the Pharisees about mercy, about what it means to love a neighbor in need. But notice, he does go out of his way, And he is generous. This is a form of magnanimity and altruism. But there are limits. There are boundaries to what he does. First, notice he doesn't take him home. Right? His wife would probably pretty be mad, and his family would be confused by this. You brought a Jew to the house? Right? There was so much animosity between the two ethnicities. So you notice it's not like, oh, come on. Come live with me for a while. No, he took him to a Motel 6. There was a clear boundary that he drew, even though it was generous. There was a boundary. 
And so Jesus, even his imagination of love, even a stranger or even an enemy, there's always a boundary. You can clearly see it. He took him to an inn. He didn't take him home. Put this picture up here. Um, a year ago, someone called me out of the blue that I, I, I knew for about, about 10 years ago. It's the last time I heard from them. Years and years, they called me crying. Say, and they said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. And it was not like, hello, how are you? How you been? And she goes, I'm pregnant, about 14, 16 weeks pregnant, and I just was diagnosed with cancer. And in the, in the first 30 seconds, the question was, what should I do? Now, it's <laughs> a lot. And it was, it was a Facebook, video, Facebook uh, audio call. Meaning I was not ready, and I was disoriented by it. And you know, and the, and the should, the moral should, is, well, you're a minister. You should help everyone who's in need. But this complication with the, with the physician and the OBGYN and their own minister is a very personal decision. Because a lot of times when you have cancer, you have to make very difficult decisions, like terminating the pregnancy. Is that something really that I can make? Because they're asking, you go, well, maybe they're asking for theological advice. No, 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 let me tell you. Either way, you make, help someone make these kind of critical decisions in life, and you are on the hook for life. And this is what I said. First, I put him on mute, and I just, I can't tell you what I said in everything I said out in the room. But I was like, I said, I am really, really sorry for your predicament. It's terrible, and I will be praying for wisdom. But I don't think it's my place to make a decision or give you advice on something so, so personal your life. This is something that your physician and your minister need to make together because the consequences are so much bigger than my pay grade. Because that conversation is a whole day conversation, right? Conversation through machine gun tears. It's not something that I can really engage in. What, what did I do? I created a boundary. The person is in need, dire need, and they're desperate, obviously. That's why they call. But I have to create a boundary. Why? Because a lot of times we think that love is sacrificing your own health, even your own needs even, your own space. There's no discernment at all. And that's why it's so critical to know the difference between codependency and love. Why? Why is it critical? First lesson. Because 
Read it with me. Love has what? Boundaries, but codependency does not. So in your life right now, if you don't learn to make and draw boundaries in your life between acquaintances, coworkers, friends, and family, you're not going to be the best version of yourself or even the most loving you can be, even though you can fall into the delusion of giving yourself away and say, well, that's what a Christian should do. That's what it means to be sacrificing. Jesus died on the cross. I have to die on the cross too. No, Jesus died on the cross so you wouldn't have to. And a lot of times we're shelf ourselves because we can't say no. We think, we feel guilty saying no. We feel like a bad person saying no. Now I feel good about saying no. If I could rewind to my neighbor asking, can you do this? No. Or I want $10,000, then I'll feel good about you encroaching into my neighbor. Because then we know that it was transactional. We dealt with the responsibility. No. And a lot of times, we're burnt out and don't have joy because we're dying to things God never called us to die to. And so let me ask you a question. Are you struggling with codependency in your life? Ask the person next to you. Are you struggling with that? Yes, you are. Of course you are. You're like, no. I, then you would be an AI robot, right? And the whole point of life is it's, and it's, it operates in the gray, ambiguity, in, in the tension between yes and no. If, you are, if you're human and you have, a, you have a heart, you're going to struggle with codependency, and that's okay. It's about what? Growth. It's about learning to discern. It's about thinking through it because love has boundaries, but codependency does not. So I pray the Spirit would, would help you see that in your life. You can't be your best version of yourself if you're losing sleep every night helping a friend struggling with the same thing for 20 years. Tell them to see a therapist. Am I preaching to someone? Okay, no. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you, you, I mean, you, how long can you do it for? Well, they're my childhood friend and, you know, I love them. Yeah, but you got a work deadline and you have 5,000 kids. I mean, you have so many kids and your wife is mad at you. When were you going to take her on that date? You said three years ago you're going to take her on that special. I mean, if you keep saying yes, 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 you're going to say no to the most important things in your life, the most important people in your life. And then you wonder, why is my marriage the way it is? Why is my closest friendship so distant? Why do I feel so alone? Because you keep saying yes to the things you should not say yes to, and no to the things, the people who need you the most. The founder of World Vision, Bob Pierce, helped the whole world find a vision, the greatest probably Christian uh, philanthropic organization in the world, billions of dollars going in rescuing orphans and empowering them. But in the midst of that codependency in his own life, doing that good work, his own daughter committed suicide. And the day before she committed suicide, that month, she called her dad and said, Dad, I need you to come be with me. And he just went to another country to help other orphans. 
and neglected his own kid. Eventually he got fired. Eventually he lost most of his relationships from World Vision. So you can actually have good intentions and actually be a good person in some sense and lose the most important things in your life because your priorities are out of whack. I pray the Spirit would help our community to learn to draw clear boundaries. Boundaries that will empower you so that your family, your marriage, your friendships, and you as a global citizen, you could be at your best. To give to things that God is actually calling you to and not give to things that you can't always give to. Because <coughs> human needs never end. They're like the black hole. I have kid, two kids, and they, their needs never end. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. <laughs> iPads, MacBooks, movies, phones, clothes, sneakers. No, not just this sneaker. Eight different sneakers. Why? Because everybody has them. Oh, I don't want this dinner. I want to order this other dinner. <laughs> if you give into needs and you live based on needs and not calling, you'll end up literally doing what God has not called you to do, fulfilling what anybody else could do, never, ever fulfill. So I pray the Spirit will show you that love has boundaries, but codependency does not. Speaking of needs, let's move to the next part of the passage. So we talked about boundaries. Now let's talk about what the Good Samaritan did. Even though he did go to the extra mile, it's not like he went 3,000 miles. He just went the extra mile. And when Jesus says, you know, when, help those who are in need, he doesn't say go 300 miles. He says just go an extra mile. That's 10 minutes running fast. Okay? It's not like go 800 miles or 1,000 miles. Or one light year. Okay, that's nerdy. But, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a measurement. It's a form of measurement to go the extra mile. The extra mile, you know, on a highway, it's 30 seconds to a minute, depending on how fast you go. And you could see in Jesus' imagination of moral obligation or, or love to a stranger. The next day, he took out, what it says? Two Denarii. Two denarii. One denarii, it's, it's basically one work uh, minimum wage for a day. A working class wage, which would be today's equivalent to $43.50. All right, so about $85, $87 or so. You do the math, you geeks out there. And, um, you know, you're, so you're giving, so, so this Good Samaritan, you know, wasn't running a foundation, all right? It wasn't like he was buying this guy a house on, you know, the, the fund pages, whatever, when people have needs. No, he gave the innkeeper, not the Ritz Carlton, the Motel 6, about $90. Because his needs can't exceed that. And that's generous for a stranger. $90 or so. But that's what? Within limits. And he goes, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So you see clearly the law of limits within the concept and the notion of love displayed in the Good Samaritan. It's not 
1,000 miles or 500 miles, just one extra mile, and a certain sum of money that you can dispense without destroying your life. And for those of you folks that are becoming wealthy in the next decade or two decades as you invest and continue to move upwardly mobile, that's going to be a challenge. Because let me tell you something. I want to tell you the, the parable of the dead parking guy space. I, I'm telling you, I lived in my neighborhood for about almost 20 years now. And you think that human nature is interesting to watch. I, so I, I basically observed my neighbor, social science. Because there was a photographer who lived next to me before my new crazy neighbor moved in. Literally crazy. And, um, and the person that sold it said to me, Sam, I'm so sorry. I said, why? The guy's a little bit, you know. I'm like, oh, you're just, and then I found out. But anyway, he, was, he, was, uh, uh, he took pictures for the New York Post, and, and he passed away. He was a, an elderly gentleman, and he passed away just and started to smell because no one knew he was dead. And that happens, right, in life. You, you die, and, and he, he passed away and started to smell, so people had to break through that door, come get him, and his whole family came, put it on sale and whatnot, and it took about a year to sell the house. And so now all the neighbors in close proximity to my house know that the greatest commodity in New York City is what? Parking spaces. And I swear to you, it's the strangest behavior. You think when I met my neighbors, you know, just because they have a deer sweater and they look like, you know, the Flanders, their insides are not like that. The neighbors around us started parking in the dead guy spot. And because we're literally next to each other, we have a semi-detached home, they told us if anyone parks there, tow it. So they said, Sam, can you park there? And people started resenting us, even though we had two cars, to parking there. Then why should you have the dead guy spot? So I'm the closest. <laughs> no, but everybody started to literally park in the dead guy spot because some of them have two three cars and my next door very next door neighbor started parking there which I thought was so strange and I had to tell him he told me to tow your car so don't park there it, he pretended not to hear me people started parking there in the dead guy spot they knew this guy like their whole lives well, I, oh I knew him Oh, his family said I could park here. And clearly, no, they didn't. They told me to tow it. So what does this parable teach you about that parking guy's spot? Human beings, when they have a need, are relentless. They're beastly. Tell someone next to you, beastly. Doesn't matter if they're pretty. Doesn't matter if they're educated. And doesn't matter if they're wearing a deer sweater, looking like a nice guy. When human beings have a dire need, just a parking spot, because they don't want to walk over to Vespa, which literally is two minutes away. To save that two minutes, they want to do this. If we live based on needs, what we're going to end up doing is 
feeding the beast. The insidious beast within humanity, the needs never, ever end. And if you don't draw limits, that's what's going to end up happening. Your life will become like a sitcom, like mine. A really odd life, dysfunctional. And you go, when, where, the, where does the generosity end? You don't know if there are no limits. So why is it critical to know the difference between love and codependency? Second lesson, because why? Because love has what? Limits, but codependency does not. It wasn't the Ritz-Carlton. It was a Motel 6. It wasn't going 500,000 miles out of the way. It was going one mile out of the way. It wasn't thousands of dollars. It was $90. Limits. And this is Jesus' imagination for what it means to love a stranger. But <laughs> when it comes to loving your family, your immediate family, and your friends that you grew up with, and your coworkers that want your help right at a deadline, your family that needs a dire need for the fifth time, what do you do? Is love enabling personal responsibility for someone that's in misfortune? No. Love doesn't enable destructive behavior for both parties. Right? Truth is supposed to empower us and help us flourish. And that's why limits are so crucial. So do you have limits in your life? Especially the clarity, this malaise of generosity. How much? How far? What are the limits? What are the guardrails that we need to place in our lives so that we can be at our best? We can actually get to a need that's something God is calling us to. And not just feeding the beast of human nature. That's crucial. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us those two things. Love has boundaries, but codependency does not. Love has limits, but codependency does not. And if people make you feel bad for having boundaries and limits, then you got to be like, whatever, bro. Tell someone, hey, whatever, bro. You go, but they're going to go, whoa, you, you're, you've forgotten where you come from, where you came from. I know where I'm coming from. I'm going up. I'm going where God's calling me to go. And you can be pulled and pushed. And that's what codependency is. Codependency is taking over responsibility, responsibility God has not called you to. And as a result, enabling destructive behavior. I pray that our community would empower our families, our marriages, our friendships, and even our relation to the world in healthy ways so that God's power, God's love can flourish in our lives and we can really do the work and be there and not always tired and always unavailable because we're saying yes to things that God has never called to do. Amen? Let's stand and pray together.
Just make sure you say no to other people, not me, though, okay? Okay. <laughs> Will you lift your hands to the Lord and uh, let's pray as we reflect on this passage. Just the beauty of the exegetical imagination of Jesus giving us these keys to love well. First, to love ourselves well, to love our families well within those healthy boundaries within those limits. So that we can become fully available to the assignment that God has for our lives. Let's make this our prayer. Just a time. Just a time I think that I limits. If you keep dying to the wrong things, you're not going to be able to give to the right things. That's going to have the most impact. That assignment God has for your life. And if we're tired and burnt out because we keep saying yes and saying no, we'll feel bad. We'll never be able to reach that feeling of flourishing where we're doing exactly and moving into that moment God has called us to. The things that will give us joy and God glory. things you're just going to be that guy that orders toilet paper for the rest of your life because you know you got to deal with that 
be that customer, don't be that guy. Please don't be that gal, don't be that guy. You're a glorified toilet paper holder. As long as someone's alive, a baby, a person, you've got to go to the hole, okay? You've got to go. Father, we pray that we wouldn't live based on the needs, the abyss that's perpetual, but we would begin to live by calling. So everything about us could give every moment of our lives, every second and that energy that we need to the task you assigned us to. Things that will actually bring change and things that would actually bear fruit, bring us joy, and give you glory. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hi, everyone. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1A Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 180 Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with a group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180 BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu, who's a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. 
We also have a virtual Winity Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares. And this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we feature every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.